0: Good morning, Zoe church and welcome to the live stream uh, for those of you who don't know me my name is Hunter and I'm the youth and young adult pastor here at Zoe Church uh, this is actually my first Sunday preaching and I'm excited to be with you guys but I'm gonna need your your help. I'm going to need you guys to engage, to interact on the live stream on Facebook, Instagram, wherever you're watching. Uh, Go ahead and comment. You can preach me down, say amen. My favorite comment I've ever gotten was, ride the bus, white boy. Ride the bus, white boy. You can use that. I don't even know how to take it, but I love it. still my favorite comment. Uh, You're going to need your Bible today for the service. Uh, I'm going to be preaching out of Luke chapter 8, so if you don't have a Bible, go run in your house. Go grab a Bible. You can use it on your smartphone as well. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like we're definitely in a storm right now. How many of you could agree to that? Like with all the uh, the things that are going on, coronavirus, the social unrest, uh, it's an election year, and guys, thank goodness we finally have sports back. But today's message, it's really going to come alongside what's been going on. And the title of this message is "Calm in Our Storm," because I think one thing that we're going to learn today is that God doesn't always rescue us or deliver us from our storm, but often He anchors us so that we can be the element to calm. For everything else that's going crazy around us. If you've got your Bibles open to or Luke chapter eight verse 22 here, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read, you can follow along. It says, uh, "One day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's go over to the other side of the lake." So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. I'm going to continue reading, but I just want to pause here for just a moment to say that the Bible says that the disciples were in great danger. And sometimes we can have this mindset that uh, you know this is imagery or the disciples or Luke embellishing something, but it says that they're in great danger. And you have to think prior to these men being called as disciples, their occupations before Jesus called them, a lot of them were fishermen. And they grew up fishing on this exact body of water and were used to storms. And so for these disciples to be in a boat in the water, freaked out means that something severe is probably going on here. And I think there's a lesson that we can learn out of this because it's probably a lot how we are. We have this mindset that we have to have the most problematic or greatest problem for God to intervene in our circumstance. But I just got to pause and say this, is that you don't have to compare your Storms to the storms of anyone else for God to bring peace into your circumstance. Sometimes I think as Christians we say some really insensitive things, and I just gotta let you know that we're all in a very similar playing field. If your life, if it's chaotic, then it's chaotic. And for these disciples, right, like them, they're freaked out, they're terrified, disturbed. And I just need to say this to start off: is that if you're in a chaotic season, if you're going through a storm, your life—it just feels like you're in shambles. You're not alone. You're not alone. Uh, we're gonna continue reading in verse 24. It says, the disciples went and woke Jesus saying, Master, Master, we're gonna drown. And this is where savage Jesus comes on scene. <laughs> he says, It got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? He asked them, and in fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. The title of this message today is Calm in Our Storm. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you, God, that you are... Uh, not distant. You are alive. You are real. And God, I just thank you that we can come together as a church, even not in the building, God, that we're still a unified body of believers. And God, I just pray that today would be a day where your Holy Spirit brings revelation, brings truth into our lives. And God, that our faith, God, maybe we have to even reevaluate where our faith is today. But Father, I pray that today we would leave looking more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, I just want to start off this message by saying uh, the, the first thing I want to bring your attention to is that Jesus is knocked out in the middle of this boat. Come on. I know some of us can relate. How many of us have ever been frustrated at Jesus? I know I have. Like, bro, you could have picked any time to nap and you chose to fall asleep in the most difficult season of my life in my boat. I I, I I know that some of us can relate to that here. Like, uh, have any of you guys ever? fallen for someone, started to like someone, and you uh, would talk to your boo, your boyfriend, girlfriend, on their phone, right? You got their number, you would talk to them. And uh, we have probably a very large range of ages here. Some of you are more experienced in years, and some of us are, are younger, right? Uh, and so for some of you, I never experienced this, but maybe you would talk to your friends, right, on the phone, and you had to worry about neighbors, listening in on your conversation because you had community phone lines. Or maybe you're more around my generation and we had in the glory days, we had MSN Messenger or AOL Chat or MySpace, that was the stuff. Or maybe you're even like a teenager and I'm pretty sure you guys have never talked on the phone to someone you like. You guys just use Snapchat or different social medias. But no matter where you at, you have probably talked to someone on the phone that you liked. I remember years ago when I started dating my wife, a week into dating, we took, I took a trip to Florida for 18 days. Big mistake. Big mistake. She forgave me for that. But for 18 days, I was there. She was back in Minnesota. And we used to talk at night on the phone. Best thing. Sometimes we'd FaceTime. And I remember there was a week straight. when Guys, you can relate to this. When you like a girl, when you're head over heels for a girl, there's one thing you want. You want to know everything about her, and you want her to know everything about you. And so for a week straight, I remember I was pouring my heart out, pulling out all the moves in the book, you know? And I would talk, and it would be really late at night, and I'd be pouring my heart out, and on the other end of the line, I would hear, and she would fall asleep on me, and It took me a long time to forgive her. No, I'm just kidding. But hey, how many of you have ever been falling asleep on on the phone? That hurts. If you see a hand up, would you lay hands on that person? We're going to pray for healing, deliverance, forgiveness. I'm kidding. But you know, it's hard when when you like someone and and you're pouring your heart out and the person that you're communicating to is sound asleep. I got to say, this is probably what the disciples felt like. Jesus, you could, have, you could have picked any time to nap. If there was a time that we needed you to be alert, awake, helpful, and do your whole Jesus thing, it would be right now. I feel like a lot of us can relate to this. And you can just see them just fuming, getting upset, probably huddling around thinking, oh, remember that woman with a blood issue? Yeah, she didn't have to give up her family. She didn't have to give up anything. Yet she still got her miracles. She still got her breakthrough. But look at us. We gave up our family, our friends, our jobs, our lives, everything to follow this man. And this is how it's going to go down. Picture them in your mind. They're probably griping, grumbling around, huddling around on the boat as it's going down thinking this is how it's going to end. We're going to die right here in this boat. And this is where it gets so good. Because Jesus wakes up. He's probably doing his Jesus stretch, waking up, wiping the sleepers from his eyes. He walks up on deck and rebukes the storm. And he looks at his disciples and he asks one question. Where is your faith? And I want to hone in on this question because I feel like so often in the church we've got this wrong. Like we, we, we interpret this passage as though uh, Jesus is saying, well, they don't have any faith or we interpret it as an indictment on the measure of their faith. But Jesus isn't trying to measure their faith. He's talking about the misplacement of their faith. And I need to let you know that there's a really big difference between the measure of someone's faith and the misplacement of someone's faith. Because I can look at you right there on your couch and I can say, hey, where's your phone? Give me your phone. It's not that you don't have a phone. It's just not where it needs to be. Or I can look at you and I can say, hey, sitting on your couch, where are your friends? Where are your neighbors and your coworkers? It doesn't mean you don't have friends or neighbors or coworkers. They're just not there where they need to be. Oh, this is my favorite one because I get asked this maybe four times a, a day from my wife because I'm always losing them, but she always asks, where are your keys? It's not that I don't have keys. I, they're just not where they need to be. Let me help you because when Jesus says, where is your faith, It doesn't mean that the disciples don't have faith. It just means that their faith is not where it needs to be. And I want to help you because if your faith is in your job, if your faith is in the way your kids end up, if your faith is in the way your parents respond to you, if your faith is in sports, if your faith is in what Greg says here on on Sunday mornings, your faith needs to go back where it belongs because your faith needs to be in God. And there's a really big difference Right? So because a lot of people put their faith in a lot of good things. But there's a very big difference between putting your faith in good things and putting your faith in God. Like those two are not the same thing. And for some, we need to put our faith back in God because faith, I'll be honest, faith is not a good thing. And faith is not a bad thing. Faith is a very neutral thing. And Jesus, what Jesus teaches more, uh, way more whether or not we have faith is where our faith lives. Because you can put your faith right. There's a lot of people who have a lot of faith in things that are failing them. And so what makes us different is that we put our faith in something that's not going to fail us. We put our faith in Jesus something that's consistent, something that's real, something that's alive, and something that will work for us. You see, if Jesus wanted to talk about the measure of their faith, he would have done that. But I'll suggest to you that Jesus was trying to challenge them because the disciples' faith is not where it needed to be. Now, where was their faith? And we can answer this, but I think first we have to redefine three terms. And I'm gonna define these three terms because I think that so often these three terms rob us or these three things rob us of where our faith needs to be. So if you're taking notes, I'm gonna fly through these, but these are three things that I'm going to redefine there are three things that I'm going to redefine. Uh, if you don't like these, you can talk to me about them later. As always, you can always complain. Send an email to me at greg at zchurch.org. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, the first word that I want to redefine, these are going to get serious here, is fear. Fear. What is fear? And fear, my redefinition of it is fear is simply the humble acknowledgement that something is more dominant than me. Fear is simply the humble acknowledgement that something is more dominant than me. See, right now, there are two groups of people. There are some of you who, uh, wherever you are in bed, on your couch, you're sick, whatever, moments ago during worship, you let nothing stop you from entering the presence of the Lord. You were worshiping, you were crying out, no matter who's in the room, because you fear God. And like Proverbs says, is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then there's another group of you. I might step on some toes here. But maybe you've been watching online for a while. Maybe you don't even log into the live stream until the message starts because you don't even like worship. But you were concerned about what other people are doing. You weren't worshiping. You weren't engaging. Maybe worship is the boring part of this whole church thing to you because you fear people. You see... Fear isn't bad, it's what we're afraid of that will dictate if it's negative or positive. Fear is simply the humble acknowledgement that something is more greater, more stronger, more influential, more influential and more dominant than me. The second word that I wanna redefine here is anxiety. And this one is really interesting to me because I talk to so many people, so many youth students that are always talking about the things that they're anxious and overthinking about. And it's funny because my favorite question to people who are struggling with anxiety is, okay, the thing that you were anxious about, like, did that actually happen? And their answer is always, yes, the thing I was anxious about, that actually happened. And it's really interesting because like, somehow the things that we're anxious over have a way, or think anxious over, somehow have a way of confirming whether or not we needed to be anxious about those in the first place. And it makes me think, what is anxiety? And my redefinition of anxiety is the anxiety is the ability to creatively imagine a negative outcome and bring that negative outcome out of your tomorrow and into your today. Let me repeat that. Uh, Anxiety is the ability to creatively imagine a negative outcome and bring that negative outcome out of your tomorrow and into your today. We see this all the time. You know what I'm talking about, right? People will go to a job interview, and, and when they get there, they're anxious and they blow it. It's terrible, it crashes and burns, and the reason is they were so anxious the night before that they didn't sleep, and when they showed up to the interview, they weren't their best selves, and they ruined their future possibilities based off their dreams, their creativity, and imagination, which means, let me tell you this, if you can imagine negative outcomes and bring those into your present. You can also imagine positive outcomes and bring those into your present. If you can use your God-given imagination to bring destruction, doom, and disaster over your life, you can also use your God-given imagination to bring blessing over your life. If you... You can use your God-given imagination for you. You can also use your God-given imagination to work work against you. You can also use it to work for you. Let me say it this way. I like to say I'm Italian. There's an adoption, so I don't really know, but I love pasta and I love sauce. With those two, you can make so many things, lasagna, spaghetti, so much. If you have fear and anxiety, then you have the perfect ingredients to create something amazing in your life. But you can also use those same ingredients to do something really destructive in your life. All right, the last word that I want to redefine, we have fear, anxiety, and the last word is worry. Whoa, (laughs) right? This one hits home for me because I'll get vulnerable. I struggle with something called undiagnosed ADHD. It's not a real thing, but I'm pretty sure it is. I have zero attention span. I cannot focus on things. It is the last thing that I am capable of doing. Uh, In my mind, I sometimes feel like the dog from, from up, the squirrel, constantly distracted the other day my wife she asked me to go downstairs and, and change the laundry no problem love doing it i'm down there like five minutes later i realize i'm looking at books on a bookshelf like my attention and focus is just not there but do you know what works better than any medication i've ever tried any focus techniques anything just worry yeah worry you know what happens when i'm worried The only thing I can think about is the problem. Guess which worry should teach us? Worry should teach us that we have the ability to meditate. Worry should teach us that we have the ability to concentrate which means that fear, anxiety, and worry should work for us, not against us. If you have been afraid, if you have been anxious, if you have been worrying, then all that is saying to me is that you can stop being afraid of people and you can start being afraid of God. All that's saying to me is that you can stop imagining negativity over your life and you can start imagining positivity in your life. All that's saying to me is that you can stop concentrating on the problem and you can start concentrating on the solution, a God who's way bigger than any other, of our problems. Now we have to return to this launching question that Jesus asked is, where is your faith? And now that we've redefined these three terms that I think so often rob us of where our faith needs to be, we can ask, where is the disciples' faith? And I'll suggest this to you is that their faith wasn't where it needed to be. Their faith was in the storm, the storm that they could see ahead of them instead of the words that Jesus had spoke to them and, and I'll suggest to you this, is that their faith was in the storm in their storms, right? When our faith is in the storm, it gets it's wilder. It gets chaotic, more ferocious, more terrible. And do you know why? Because when we put our faith in those things, it works. Faith works. It, it, it be, faith will work wherever you put it. If you put your faith in another religion, it will work. It will just work against you. If you put your faith in your job, it will work. It will just work against you. If you put your faith in what other people are doing, saying, thinking, anything about you, it will work. It will just work against you. If you put your faith in the wrong things, it will work against you. If you put your faith in the right thing, he will work for you. So where was the disciples' faith? Their faith was firmly planted in the storm, and I'll prove it to you. Look at verse 24 here. The second part, it says, Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. Rebuked. Why rebuke? You could have just said, calm the storm, right? Jesus can calm the storm, but he rebuked it. As if the storm was acting in disobedience, but the storm was doing exactly what it needed to be doing. The storm was storming. That's the only thing it can do. But do you know how the enemy tricks us into worshiping him? This is good from the very beginning of time. What we read in Genesis is that the only thing that Satan has ever wanted was he did not want to reflect the glory of God. He wanted to receive the glory of God. So the way that the enemy tricks himself or tricks us into worshiping him is not by showing up on our doorstep with a pentagram and a pitchfork. He simply just wraps himself in the winds and the waves of life. And before you know it, you're so impressed negatively by uh, the things happening in your life, the situations around you, what everyone else is saying, that your storm is so rooted in, in, in the chaos of life that you forget the words that Jesus spoke. The disciples' faith was in the storm. But what words did Jesus speak? Would you look at me or look at verse 22 with me? The very beginning, this is the way that it starts Luke writes, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Let's go over to the other side of the lake. You see, God never said that we were not going to encounter hardships, challenges, storms, chaos. And what should actually bring us comfort is that no matter what's going on in your family, no matter what's going on with your job, no matter what's going on with anything in life, no matter the scars that never seem to heal, no matter if you're alone, if you're afraid, is that God has promised to bring us to the other side of the lake. And the same God that started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. God is not gonna leave us. He is not napping in your boat and he has made promises that he's gonna follow through on. I wanna to get to our big so what. Our big so what, we like to say this around here. What is our big so what? What is our takeaway that we can have from this message? And it's simply this. Let faith work for you, not against you. See, we get to put our faith where we want it. I'm gonna get real here for just a second because so many of us with the craziness of the last six months, we're struggling. We're struggling, I'm struggling. Everyone here, if they're saying they're not struggling, they're lying. This has affected all of us. It's been real. But we get to pick where we put our faith. And some of us, we've put our faith in corona. We've put our faith in fighting it. We've put our faith in even good things of fighting sex trafficking. We've put our faith in in social issues. We've put our faith in who's going to win this election. But we need to reevaluate because we get to pick where our faith lies. And some of us need to just put our faith back in God. I know your storms, they seem big, they seem hard, they seem chaotic. I'm going through it myself. But here's the thing. God desires our faith. And you guys get to choose that. And here's what I want to leave you with is that no matter what you're going through is that fear does not bind us to this world is that we can imagine a positive future that God has for us and we can also still worship a God who never, ever, ever fails us. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you so much. God, you are faithful. You are faithful. And God, even in the moments, God, when when we feel like you're not being in our boat, God, I know that there are promises that are more true than anything. Father, we can lean on those. We can believe those. But God, I just pray specifically for those that are going through a storm, going through chaos. Man, if it's family things, if it's financial, if it's in their job, anything, God, I pray that you would make yourself evident. God, your Holy Spirit is alive. It is real. And God, I pray that you would bring revelation into our lives right now of areas where our faith can run back to you. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom on how to trust you with those things. Give us discernment on how to go about some of these things, navigating these times. But God, I pray that you would open our hearts to trust you, to have our faith. Unlike these disciples in this story, God, firmly planted in you and not our storms. God, have our hearts. I thank you, God, that you're not done working in us. You're not done working in this world. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if uh, you responded to this message, if there is a storm, something that you could use prayer for, uh, we would just encourage you to reach out to Faith at zchurch.org. You can email us. Pastor Greg or I will be responding and just reaching out to you. Uh, But I just want to challenge, give you one challenge as we close here today. Uh, And this might be the simplest challenge you've ever received. I just want you to take this week uh, and today and and just ask yourself, what storms have my faith? What storms have my faith? Uh, This is a challenging time and I think And we can all just reevaluate that. It might be like ripping off a Band-Aid, but I think it's necessary.